Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? I'm good, thanks, Sam. Uh, yeah, exciting weekend of football. Yes, very good. Uh, 36 goals across 10 games in Serie A. It's fair to say Italian football is well and truly back. Uh, only one place to start, though. We're going to start with Juventus because it was not a great day for them on the pitch on Sunday. And it's not been the best few days in terms of what's going on with Cristiano Ronaldo. It's turning into a bit of a debacle at the moment. What do you make of what's happening with Ronaldo right now? Um do you think he will leave and, and do you think he should leave? Do you think it would be best if he went? I think the issue is that it is quite late in the transfer market. I think you possibly could have, you know, lined up another signing to replace Ronaldo. But right now, I'm not sure it would be a good thing for Juve if Ronaldo left. I think they, they are in a... They're already, I feel like they are still the favourites for the title, but a lot of that is because they have Ronaldo. Um, and he did score, you know, 30 odd goals last season. And if he's not there, I'm not sure who would do that for them. I still think they would be a force and could possibly win the title, but I feel like they would be a little bit light. Um, and I'm not sure that, you know, say he left tomorrow, which could happen. I'm not sure there is time for them to find an adequate replacement as the window closes shortly. So <clears throat> that would be the issue. Having said that, I also think, uh, you know, I said this a few times last season, that if he were to leave, then it would allow other players to maybe blossom. The, the You know, the likes of Kulazewski and Kiesa, who might find a bit more space where, you know, where they want to play for it at the field. And it would free Allegri up um, kind of from a tactical point of view. I think with, with Pirlo and Sarri, they weren't really able to play the way that they wanted. And part of the reason, I think, is because you, you have to accommodate Ronaldo. He wants to play a certain way. And I'm not sure that is always the way managers want to play. But once he's in your team, you, you have to play him. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, there's sort of been murmurings in the background that maybe he'd look to leave this year. Obviously, he came three seasons ago, the main objective being to win the Champions League. Juve haven't really come close to doing that since he's been there. Do you think maybe something's happened in the last week that's caused him to do this? Because it sort of came completely out of the blue that he wasn't in the starting lineup on Sunday. There was, had he asked Allegri to do it? Was it just a technical decision of how Allegri wants to play that match? What do you think of all that? I think that he is probably trying to engineer a move because I find it difficult to believe that Allegri would leave him out on the first day of the season. Um, there wasn't really any... I don't think there's any physical issue with him. I know that he's supposedly hurt his arm in training and had to leave training early yesterday, but that happened after the match. Um, so... I think he probably is trying to engineer a move. There's no other reason for him to be doing that. There's no real reason for Allegri to leave him out. You could argue that it's for te technical reasons, but I find it difficult to believe that, you know, the first day of the season, you'd want to make a statement, I think, if you're Juve, that a favourite for the title. And I just, I think he probably is that he's trying to engineer a move. Um, so, yeah, uh, and that's that's probably why he was left out, because he, he has to be left out, or he, I don't know if he refused to play, but he said, I, I don't want to start. 
yeah, quite strange that this is all coming in the last sort of 10 days of the window. Um, obviously, he's been linked with Manchester City now. It seems that he's not going to go to PSG to join Messi. Um, but obviously, Harry Kane's not going to Man City now, so maybe that does free up Ronaldo to go there. Um, on the pitch, though, you know, Juventus started really well, particularly Dybala really shining, getting a goal and an assist for Quadrado. It looked a fairly comfortable win, and then it all went to pot in the second half, really. I don't think any of the team played particularly well, but Wojciech Szczesny in particular had a bit of a shocker, giving away a penalty and then, you know, I don't know what he was doing for the second goal. You, I know that you're a fan of Szczesny. We spoke about this towards the end of last season. I've sort of thought that maybe more errors have crept into his game over the last sort of nine to 12 months. Are you starting to see that perhaps? And, and maybe it, it was a mistake on their part to not go after Donnarumma? I still think that that Chesney is a, a fine keeper for you Um And what happened at the weekend, I put it down as something that can happen to any goalkeeper. You know, we've seen Donnarumma make similar mistakes and cost Milan games in the past. So it's not like this is something that only Chesney does. Um, I'm not. I, I I think that Donnarumma is a, is a better goalkeeper than Chesney. And going forwards, I think he's probably going to become the best goalkeeper in the world. But having said that, I feel like Juve probably needed to spend money elsewhere. One of the areas where they have spent money is in midfield. And if, say, going after Donnarumma meant that they wouldn't have been able to buy Locatelli, I think that would have been, you know, they would have been a worse team for that. Um, I don't really think there's an issue with Chesney. I do think he cost them the game on on Sunday. And I, I agree with you that I think Juve actually had a pretty good first half and they were in complete control. And they only really lost because Chesney had those two two moments. Um, but I actually think Juve were pretty good, probably better than we saw them last season. I think what you mentioned Dybala there, and I think Dybala is one of those players who, who does benefit when Ronaldo isn't on the pitch. And if if Ronaldo does leave, then possibly a lot more responsibility will will be on, on Dybala's shoulders to, to kind of come up with the goods. But based on this weekend, that, that might not be a problem. Yeah, Dybala's had a sort of weird few years, hasn't he? I mean, I think Allegri's final year, he sort of found himself out the team a bit. He then did really well under Sari. Then last year was difficult for him with COVID and just, you know, picking up injuries. So it will be interesting to see how Dybala progresses this year. But we've we got so much to get through that we're going to move on to the champions now, uh, Inter. Um Dominant win for them, 4-0 to kick off the season against Genoa. Goals for Dzeko and Chalanoglu. Um, Vidal looked good off the bench. Was this pretty much the perfect opening day for them? Yeah, I think it was pretty much the perfect opening day, especially considering they were missing a couple of players, missing Latoro Martinez still. There were lots of question marks about uh, you know, what Inzaghi was going to do and how they would fare without Conte and Lukaku and Hakimi, who were such pivotal figures in their Scudetto win. And they were, I'd, I'd say that they were as good as, as they were in any game last season. They looked like a really good team, especially going forwards. I think Inzaghi plays a slightly different style of football and that probably suits Zeko. Um, and, uh, you know, I was personally, I was surprised by how well Channel Ogley did. I, I think he is a solid player, but I, I, you know, I, I suppose he has put in performances like that for Milan in the past. Maybe the issue with him is continuity. And if he can keep playing like that, then that'll be a big plus for Inter. But 
just lots of positives. The fact it was a clean sheet, they scored a load of goals. Zeko scored, Chananoglu scored. Even Vidal came off the bench and looked pretty decent, scored a goal. Um, I think it was about as good a start as they could have hoped for. It is slightly tempered by the fact, I think, that, that Genoa are... I, I, I said they're, it in a previous show. Awful, aren't they? They're really bad. <laughs> I said in a previous show that I was expecting them to be a bit rubbish this season, and they they were pretty rubbish on the weekend. I I wouldn't be surprised if if Inter are not the only team to put four against you know score four against them this season. So we'll see what happens when they play against better teams. They did concede Inter did concede a few you know pretty big chances to Genoa, and Genoa just weren't able to take them. I'm guessing that when they play against the better teams in Serie A, that that could be an issue, but. But yeah, a really positive start from Inter. Yeah, we spoke last week about how um, it's turned out to be not quite as bad a summer as we thought it might be at one stage with them getting in uh, Dumfries and Dzeko and, of course, Chalanolu. They've now got in Joaquin Correa as well. Um, do you like Correa as a player? Do you think that's another good signing for Inter? I, I do like Correa. I think he's done a he's played really well for Lazio last couple of seasons. I think the fact that Inzaghi knows him is a plus and that probably the main reason they signed him. Um, and one thing that I think is really goes for Correa is the fact that he can probably play with any other of Inter's forward options. So he can play with Zeko, he can play with Lautaro Martinez and that that is a big plus. I think when those guys aren't around, having a, a player like that in reserve who can come in and do a good job for you, regardless of who it is that's missing, is, is going to be useful for Inter. And um, I agree with you, Sam, as well. I think they, considering the financial limitations that they had this summer and the things they needed to do and the fact that they've lost such big players in Hakim and Lukaku, I feel like Inter have actually had a really good transfer window. Um, and the club, I think, deserves a lot, deserves a lot of credit for, for what they've been able to do. Um, yeah, a good job. Yeah, certainly the perfect start for them. We'll see if they can continue that this weekend. Um, right after that game, we had Atalanta kicking off. Um, I know, I think all neutrals look forward to seeing Atalanta play. Um, they were far from their best this weekend, I thought, uh, but they managed to get a late winner against Torino. Um, you know, they were missing some key players, no Durun, no Zapata, um, but they managed to get the job done. Is this the kind of result that's actually really important for them if they're going to go on and mount a title challenge this year? I think it is, yeah, because this, at the last couple of seasons, they, they've struggled a bit at the beginning of the season. This is the kind of game that they would have dropped points in last season or, or the season before. And then they have, and they nearly always end up having an amazing second part of the season where they string a load of great results together. And it felt to me like this game could have easily been one of those games where they drop points, but Without playing that well, they managed to to pull through, and I th I think that's also a sign of the team maturing and kind of knowing that they are a good side. It it, it, it was like a performance of a of a seasoned team, um, and being able to to come through it, even though they were missing players, I think it is a sign of the the strength and the depth that they have as well now at Atalanta. So I think it's a great result for them, and um, you're right that they won't. They weren't at their best. I also think that Torino deserved quite a bit of credit. It's probably, even though they lost, it's probably the best performance that they put in. I'd say it was better than any performance they had last season, uh, even though it ended in a defeat. Um, it looks like they're going to keep hold of Belotti now, Torino as well. So I wouldn't, based on the performance that they uh, this 
weekend. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of in the top half at the end of the season, which would be a, a huge improvement on last year. Yeah, they did look good. They had quite a few like half chances in the game, I thought. Um, and particularly, you know, when they're one nil down and getting it back to one, or it looked like they could even possibly snatch a win. Um, but as I say, Atalanta were missing some players, no Dudder and no Freuler, and that midfield's really important to them. They've been linked with uh, Morton Forsby from Sampdoria. I think that move is quite close to getting done. Who knows, it might be done by the time this podcast goes out. But do you like that signing? Someone who can come in and shore up the midfield a little bit? Yeah, he's he's the, the kind of player who could play if those guys aren't around. And he's similar in terms of what he does. He's quite a dynamic player. Um, he's also kind of, I'd, I'd say that he's unfashionable. He's not particularly followed by any of the big clubs. He's exactly the kind of player that <clears throat> Atalanta seemed to pick up and turn into a top-level midfielder. Um, and I think in situations where they're missing Foyler or Darun, he's, he's the perfect player to come in. So I think that would be smart business by Atalanta. Yeah, certainly, it certainly looks that way. Um... Next, we're going to move on to Roma Fiorentina. I know last week you were saying you were really looking forward to this game and it turned out to be a really good one. Um, Roma came out with 3-1 win in the end, but it was far from straightforward. Um, it was certainly controversial as well. Two red cards in this game. Uh, Dragovski getting sent off in the first half of Fiorentina. Zaniolo sent off in the second half for Roma. What did you make of those two decisions? I think they were both a bit soft certainly the Daniolo one well both really I don't I don't I don't like it when players kind of brush past the goalkeeper and they fall over and then it's automatically a red card I feel there could be more leniency in those situations I'm not 100% sure that that it was a really a clear goal scoring opportunity and uh, I think too many too often games are ruined by by that kind of sending off and I think that with Zaniolo, again, the second... I, I, didn't, I haven't actually seen the first in, in uh, yellow card. The second one, though, to me, seemed really soft. It, it felt like the referee was levelling things up. And, again, it's the kind of thing... You'd, I want to see people... If players are going to be penalised and get bookings and red cards, I want them to have actually done something that warrants it. And I don't feel like, really, in, in these, in, in both of these, on both of these occasions, it didn't feel like either of them warranted a sending off. Um... Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 completely in agreement with you actually. I I don't think the Dragovsky one was ascending off at all. Um when when it was slowed down there was contact so it was a foul because uh, I I think in some angles it looked a bit soft but it was definitely a foul. But Abraham kicked the ball towards the corner flag with a couple of defenders rushing back towards the goal line. There's no one in hell that's a goal clear goal scoring opportunity. I I thought that was a really poor decision but um but as you said, there does seem to be a tendency where, oh, the goalkeeper's taking him out. It must be a massive opportunity. I don't think it was personally. Um, but obviously, Abraham was involved in that. He was then heavily involved in the game, getting a couple of assists. What did you make of his debut performance? Really good. I thought he was great. Um, I think there is real promise for his Roma career. Um, the fans seem to have already taken to him as well. I think he... he he is the kind of player that can work very well in that formation, having kind of three attacking midfielders behind him. He can bring them in, but also he's he's good at giving Roma's attack depth. He, he runs in behind. And yeah, two assists on his debut. He got some really good reviews in the Italian press. They, they've been very impressed with him over in Italy. So 
uh, a great start from him. And uh, I, I was speaking actually to to a friend of mine who's a Roma fan, and he said he thought uh, Shomorodov was a bit unlucky not to start. You know, he's had quite a good preseason, not done a lot wrong. Is there a way perhaps that Roma can get both Abraham and Shomorodov into the same starting lineup? We know that Mourinho likes to play a four-two-three-one. Really, is there is there a way for you? Do you think? I think it's unlikely that that will happen. It'll probably happen on occasion, but more often than not, he's going to play with three behind a central striker. I, I agree with your friend a little bit that Sean Rodolf was, was unlucky not to play. I really rate him as a player as well. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much game time he gets because it looks like, at least for the minute, uh, Abraham is going to start most of the games. But yeah, I, I doubt we'll see them together very much. And from a Fiorentina perspective, I know you said last week you were quite positive about them. The reaction I've seen mostly online is that, you know, their fans thought they played quite well. It was it was quite a close game and, and Roma just came up with the good sort of late on late on in the match. Um, do you think there's reason to be optimistic for them? I definitely think there's reason to be optimistic. I think they, they played really well, considering as well they were down a man for quite a long time. They, they managed to get back into it and... I think you can already see Italiano's work. Um, it looks like they're playing much better football than they were last season. Um, we're starting to see some of those quality players because I do think that they have a, a strong squad actually play well. And, um, you know, they, they probably had... Uh, it's a very tough opening fixture. Losing to Roma away from home is not is not a disaster, especially considering that you lose your goalkeeper quite early, early in the game. I think that they've also picked up Torreira uh, which I think is an excellent signing. And it actually makes their midfield look really, really strong. Um, if he can replicate the form he had at Sampdoria, then I think I expect Fiorentina to, to do well this season. And uh, like I said in the previous show, I wouldn't be surprised if they are at least in the mix for a European place. Yeah, I really like Torreira at Sampdoria. He sort of, um, you know, it, ha- it, it, it hasn't happened for him at Arsenal. Obviously, he was loaned out last season as well. But hopefully, coming back to Syria, he can really find his best form again. Um, another game that we saw on Sunday night was Napoli v uh, Venezia. Um, this was the kind of game that perhaps in the past, Napoli would have messed up a bit, having had a sending off, missed a penalty, but they managed to find a way. But we'll go through the incidents. Uh, Osimhen you know, nearly scored a bit of a freak goal early on from the goalkeeper taking ages to clear the ball, um, but then got himself sent off. Did you think it was a fair red card? Yeah, I think once you raise your hands, um, you're going to get sent off, especially in the VAR era and in the era where footballers are desperate to fall on the floor. You, you, once, you, once you give them that opportunity to do that and VAR sees that you've, you've done that, then there's no way you're not going to get sent off. I think this is a, you know, Ozyman's discipline could be a little bit of an issue for Napoli. We both agreed last week that we thought he is set up to kind of take fire this season. Uh, I, I think he's got everything to be a top striker in the league. Uh, I think he's got it in him to score kind of 25 goals in a Serie A season. But last season we saw a couple of times for disciplinary issues costing him. And he's going to miss two games now. He's going to miss um, the Juve game as well, which is a big game for Napoli. I, I, I'm confident that Ozzy Mem can, can really do a great job this season, but he needs to 
you know, not make this kind of mistake. And he needs to make peace with the fact that in every single game, defenders are going to pull his shirt and cuddle him at corners. And he needs to be okay with that. You can't react the way he did. And it is, you know, it is going to mean that he misses the next two games. So hopefully it's something that he can learn from and, and stop making, you know, this kind of error. Yeah, certainly. And uh, th- then we thought, you know, are Napoli going to recover from this? They missed a penalty with Insigne. He was, it missed it by quite a distance, to be honest. He then scored another penalty. Um, and then Elmas scored uh, the second goal. Um, Elmas sort of struggled for starts last season. We've spoken about the strength and depth that Napoli have. I, I, I quite like him as a player. Do you think maybe he, he should get more opportunities this season to show what he can do? I think he's probably going to play more this season, but he's going to be kind of their first reserve. Um, he he makes that midfield uh, look like it has options. And so I think it's great that they have him in the squad, but when it comes to it, he's probably not going to be one of the starting three. Yeah, uh, as, as you say, I mean, we, we've spoken time and again about how Napoli have one of the strongest squads in the league. And, and he does seem to be one of those who... Is, is more likely to just be making an impact off the bench. Um, we'll move on to Milan. Uh, of course, last season finished as runners-up. Um, I'm not sure how we expect them to finish this season, uh, but they got off to a winning start, 1-0 away at Sampdoria. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, did this game show us how important Kessier is to Milan? Because they seem to be a little bit flat at times, and when that was the case last season, Kessier really picked them up time and time again. Um, but they need to get him back as quick as possible, don't they? Yeah. For me, Kessier is by far their best player. I think he is extremely important to what they do. Having said that, I think this is a really good result for Milan. Um, you know, missing Kessier, missing Ibrahimovic, um, they still and a tough fixture away at Sam is it's not easy and not and the fact that it wasn't really their best performance they they were solid enough but they weren't amazing uh, I think it's a it's a good result and it shows that maybe even missing a couple of key players they are able to to win games and that is going to be important for them this season I I. Not sure. I haven't got them in my top four at the end of the season. I don't think Sunday's game changed that for me. But they do look like a solid team. And if they can put a run together, then then maybe they can get into the Champions League again. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah, of course. Kessier didn't play, but I wanted to touch on a couple of players who did and, and looked good. Uh, first, goalkeeper, Menon. I think I think that's how you pronounce it, but I'm, I'm going to have to keep getting used to that one. Looked a very looked very assured on his debut, I thought, and very capable with his feet. He, he sort of played the ball that started the move for the only goal of the game. Uh, what did you make of him? Because obviously he's got huge boots to fill coming in for Donnarumma. Really good. Uh, great that he got a clean sheet on his, uh, you know, on the opening day. I agree with you that he looks probably better than Donnarumma did with his feet. He had a couple of really good passes. Um, and I'm sure that Milan are, are feeling quite good about that that purchase because he didn't actually cost that much. And like you say, big boots to fill, but uh, a really good start by Magnon. And then in midfield, we have Sandro Tonali. I think some people were a bit underwhelmed by his 
first season at Milan last year, um, but he got his opportunity and he, he looked pretty bright as well. Do you think perhaps he can step up a level this season and maybe put more pressure on that, you know, first choice partnership of Kessier and Benes there? I hope he can. The problem Tornali has is that even when he plays well, I, I think he was pro- arguably, you know, one of one of the best players on Sunday for Milan. The problem he has that Kessier and Benasser are so highly rated by uh, Purely, and I think they've been so crucial to Milan's success over the last couple of seasons that getting in ahead of them, even if he does well when he plays, is going to be really difficult. Um, I I can't really see it happening, to be honest with you. And it is a bit of a shame. I think when you are a young player like Tonali, who has great potential, in my opinion. Um, you need to be somewhere where you're going to play regularly. And it, it, it's funny that, that in a team that um, probably doesn't have great depth elsewhere, he he's, you know struggles to find game time. Yeah, we're, we're allowed to see. Obviously, it seems that he's going to maybe get another couple of games before Kessier comes back, or at least one more. So we'll see if he can keep, uh, keep progressing. Um, and the final member of the top seven from last year, uh, Lazio, we're going to talk about now. Um, I know last week you predicted that they could get top four under Sarri. Um, pretty comfortable winners over Empoli this weekend, 3-1. What, what did you make of how they looked? Good. Without looking amazing, they look good. And the fact that they went behind and were able to turn it around is also a big positive. I think both of, the, both of us... Uh, you know, and not sure about their defence, but going forwards, they look like they have a lot of options. I think Milinkovic Savage had a great game. Uh, you know, Lazzari seems to get faster every time you see him. And uh, Immobile, I know Immobile only scored a penalty, but he did score, and, and that's good. Uh, Felipe Anderson got an assist. So a lot of the kind of big players that, that you expect to do well for Lazio this season, you know, started well. And like I say, without playing amazing, um, and without Luis Alberto as well, they they uh, they won really quite easily. Um, I expect them to get better, and I'm still pretty confident that they can have a great season. Yeah, they did look really good going forwards. Of course, they've now lost Correa, as, as we've already spoken about, and uh, I've heard talks about Caicedo perhaps leaving. Um, do you think they'll miss either of those players? We've seen Caicedo as a bit of a super sub. Correa has been quite a regular starter alongside Immobile the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, Correa is a, is a good player. I think if if they could keep Caicedo, it's probably not a bad thing. But at the same time, I think Caicedo wouldn't have started uh, really ever with Immobile being fit. And even Correa is not necessarily the kind of player that, that Sadi goes for. I think he would have probably ended up playing out wide. And I, although he would have probably done a pretty good job there, I'm not sure he's going to be as good as Anderson is out there and, and maybe even Pedro because they're more used to playing that position. So whilst they've lost those two players or, or the, you know, they've lost Correa, they, they might lose uh, Caicedo. I still think the Lazio have got a squad that is better suited to the way that Sadi plays and so not necessarily weaker because of those players leaving. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see, but Lazio do look do look quite an exciting prospect based on that first game. Um, then we move, you know, slightly further down the table in terms of where we expect teams to maybe finish this year. Bologna Salernitana, um, 
possibly the game of the weekend. I think that's what most people are saying. Yeah, we had five goals, three red cards. It was chaotic, really. Um, Bologna came out on top 3-2. I know there was a period last season where they'd gone almost 50 games without keeping a clean sheet. And if they defend like this, they might go on another run similar to that. Um, you, you also said last week that you thought Salantana could do okay this season. Are you still feeling that after that opening game? Yeah, I, I've heard quite a few people be quite down on Salernitana's chances of, of staying up, but they're able, I think they showed that they're, they're able to compete with, with Bologna, and I expect Bologna to, to stay up, whilst I don't think they're a great side, they're probably going to be, uh, you know, I, I expect them to be not, not really in danger of going down. And so Salernitana... I think they they probably can can pick up some points. Um, it's, it's you know it's it's difficult to know if if they're going to do enough. Um, I, I you know Simi didn't start. I think if they can get him playing and scoring, um, he, he can make a difference for them. So it's it's too early to know. But um, you know this opening day defeat, the fact they scored a couple of goals, it hasn't made me think that that they haven't got a chance. I think they they could stay up. And then we had another five-goal thriller um, in Verona. Uh, Sassuolo coming out three, two winners in this one. This one was slightly more comfortable. Verona got one back late on, so that maybe flatters them slightly. But, um, you know, these two clubs both finished uh, inside the top half last season. Which team do you think is going to have a better year this time round? I am confident that Sassuolo will have a better year. Watching the game, uh, you know, this weekend, it really, uh, Verona's performance really smacked of, of Di Francesco in that they had loads of the game early on. They created quite a few chances, probably should have been in the lead, but conceded almost uh, with, with Sassuolo's first chance. And I just feel like the way one of the things that was so good about everyone in the last couple of seasons was how solid Jurich made them. Uh, I, I find it difficult to believe that that this kind of game would have happened with Jurich in charge of Verona because the players are more or less the same as last season. It's just that Di Francesco has a much more offensive way of playing and I'm just not sure that's going to suit these players and I think we're probably going to see Verona lose this kind of game, like we saw with Cagliari last season, where they actually played all right a lot of the time, but were losing games because they were just conceding too many goals. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident that Sassuolo will probably finish in the top half again. I think they've kept a lot of their, their really good players. I think Raspadori, he scored on the weekend. He's he's probably going to get a lot more game time this season, and and he I expect him to have a good season. So, yeah, I think they're set up to do well. I'm just not sure about Verona at all. Yeah, I was going to touch on Rasvadori. Uh, as you said, he scored. It was it was an excellent first touch for that goal as well. Um, just, you know, completely took the defender out of the game. Um, he obviously was a late call-up to Italy's squad in the summer. And I think it's fair to say Immobile and Bellotti didn't, you know, look outstanding in that striker position for Italy. With the World Cup sort of 15 months away... Could Raspadori maybe make a push over the over the next year and a bit to maybe, you know, get more get much more game time this time around? Definitely, I think Mancini is uh, obviously likes him because on the back of kind of 
half a season of playing, he called him up to the to the squad for the Euros. Um, and that position, and the, I, I, what you're saying is right, Sam. That that that's probably whilst Italy had a great Euros, obviously, and and they played pretty well throughout. The question mark about their team is their centre forward. So not just him. I think there are other players who who could, with a good season, could put themselves in the running. Players like Keane, for example, who we're not sure where he's going to end up this season, but if he has a good season, then he could be, uh, you know, he could go to the to the World Cup and and play uh, an important role. And there are others as well. So yeah, you're, I think you're right to to point Raspadori out because if he, you know, he's obviously had a great start to the season, and if he does score goals, then I wouldn't be surprised if if he even is the starting centre forward for Italy at the, at the World Cup. Yeah, he certainly made an excellent start this weekend, uh, if, if that is the, the route he's looking to go down. Um, and then the, the final game to talk about, and again, high scoring, 2-2 between Spezia and Cagliari. I think quite a few people expect these teams to maybe be in a relegation battle as they were last year. Um, Spezia blew a two-goal lead in this game, but how, how do you see these two teams faring? A bit like Verona and Sassuolo. Which team out of Cagliari and Spezia are you more confident can have a good season this year? I am more confident that Cagliari can have a good season. I think they finished the season quite well last year, and I do think they are there is some quality in that squad. With uh, and with Spezia, I think that a lot of the things they did well last season were due to their manager, to Italiano, who's not going to be there this season. They brought Tiago Motta in, who's He's still a young manager, and you know the only real I, at Genoa he didn't do that well. But I think it would be wrong to judge him this early on in his career. But it is, I think, it is a bit of a worry seeing a new manager come in with a squad that is not necessarily that strong, and seeing if he can kind of repeat what they did last season. Um, so if I had to choose between the two, I'd say that Cagliari are safe for bet stay up. Yeah, we, we certainly saw Cagliari finish well last year to avoid relegation. You know, at certain points, they looked almost certain to go down, but they managed to pull themselves out of it. Um, but that wraps up what was an excellent weekend of action. And we're now going to take a slight detour onto the Champions League because the draw for that has come out today. Uh, we're, we're recording this Thursday evening, by the way, you guys. Um, so I just want to quickly look at who the Italian sides have drawn and get your opinions on those. Um First up, we'll look at Group B, which is AC Milan um, playing Atletico Madrid, Liverpool and Porto. That's a, that's a very tough group, isn't it? Yeah. Um, they, they have not been that lucky. I, I think that's an extremely tough group and Milan would do very well to get out of it. Yeah. Um, as you say, Atletico Madrid and Liverpool in particular have been getting to the latter stages of the competition regularly recently. So very tough reintroduction to the Champions League for Milan. Uh, on to Group D, and it's almost a carbon copy of last season for Inter. They've got Real Madrid and Shakhtar Donetsk again, and then Sheriff Tiraspol, who have upset the odds on the Moldovan side. Um, do you think Inter will mess up again, um, or, or should they get through this group this time around? I think they should get through this group. They they should have got through the group last year. I think um, on paper, at least, uh, switching out Borussia Mönchengladbach for Sheriff makes it easier. Um, and uh, you know, if if I was into, I'd be confident that 
that they can get out of this group. Um, if they play as well as they can, they will get out of this group. The problem is that in the last couple of seasons, they just haven't been able to do that in the Champions League. Um, so we'll see. But but I'm sure that Inter, you know, are pleased with how that draw has come out. Yeah, it's been a bit bizarre how things have just gone so badly for Inter the last sort of two or three years in the Champions League. But but as you say, it's a group they should get through. On to Group F. And I, I think this is actually quite a similar standard group for Atalanta as last season. Last season, they had Liverpool and Ajax and then Copenhagen as sort of the weaker side. This year, they've got Villarreal and Man United and then Young Boys as, as perhaps the weaker side. Do, do you give Atalanta a decent chance of getting through? Yeah, um, and I think you're right to compare it to the last season's group. You'd probably say that Man United are the favourites to get out of that group, but I don't think there's much between Villarreal and Atalanta. And like last season, I wouldn't put it past Atalanta to take points off the strongest team in the group. Um, you know, I don't think it, those will be easy matches for for United. Um, and yeah, so so... If, again, if, they, if Atalanta play as well as they can, I, I feel that they have a pretty good chance of getting out of the group. Yeah, they've had some sort of weird performances in the group stages last couple of years, getting you know smashed by Man City and Liverpool. And then in the return games, they do themselves justice. So it wouldn't surprise me if they have one game where you're like, what the hell happened there? Uh, but, then, but then they turn it around. Of course, Dynamo Zagreb as well in their first season when they lost 4-0, bizarrely. Um, you know, it's like, where, where did that come from? But um, Then finally, Group H, we've got Chelsea, Juventus, Zenit and Malmo. I guess Chelsea as the as the holders start as the favourites in that group, but Juve should should get through, right? Yeah, again, I think Juve will be pleased with this draw. Um, it's it's a it's a group, you know. Obviously, Chelsea are tough, and uh, Zenit, I think, are a decent side, but you would be expecting Juve to come out of that group. Um, similar similar kind of level, I'd say, to Inter's group. If if they play that if they play like they can, they should be coming out of that group. Yeah, so uh, that that obviously gets underway after the international break. Um, but hopefully, you know, looking at it, three sides should probably get through. And, you know, Milan, if they have a stunning group of games, they could get through themselves. So certainly one to watch out for when that gets underway next month. Uh, just to finish off the episode, I want to ask you about the upcoming games this weekend, Francesco. Um, which games are sort of looking out for the, the final round prior to the international break. Uh, we kick off tomorrow night with a couple of games. We've got Udinese, Venezia and Verona, Inter. Uh, any other games that stand out for you? Uh, I've had a, a technical failure, Sam, and I cannot see the fixtures on my iPad. Um, so you would, you, would you like me to read them out for you? <laughs> well, we, as I said, Friday night, Udinese, Venezia, Verona, Inter. Uh, we've also got Lazio, Spezia coming up, Atalanta, Bologna, Fiorentina, Torino, Juve, Empoli, Genoa, Napoli, Sassuolo, Sampdoria, Salernitana, Roma, and finishing off with Milan, Cagliari. I think um, it's probably. I'm interested to see how Sassuolo do because I feel like there's an opportunity for them to win back-to-back games at the start of the season mm-hmm. and also Fiorentina-Torino I think both of those teams lost their open fixtures but actually had pretty decent performances and um, you know I've said it a few times now that I'm pretty excited about this Fiorentina side 
it, it'll be tough against Torino, you know, but if they're able to win that game, then, you know, I think it would be, uh, you know, it would set them up for the rest of the season. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the two that I'd pick out of those. Yeah, of course, we saw Sassuolo get off to a really good start last year, so perhaps they can uh, back that up again this season. Uh, but yeah, and th- then we will have a two-week break and then we'll be back. So um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back next week to sort of round up the final bits from the transfer window and how the weekend's fixtures have gone. Uh, so look forward to catching you then. Thanks. Bye-bye.